Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. That you love one another as I have loved you. Now, he told people in the Old Testament to love each other. But here was a lifting of the quality out of an expression of people's discipleship. And when we think of realm tonight, there we go, it's on the board. When we think of realm, then we're thinking of a new field or a domain or a sphere. I'm going to give you a Bible verse. It's already been quoted in prayer. And when I was at Bible college many, many years ago, one of our Bible college lecturers says, don't be afraid to use the well-known verses of the Bible. Now, it may be that you know little about the Bible, but if you've been a Christian or you've read the Bible or you've been to church, you will have almost certainly heard this verse mentioned on numbers of occasions. It's John chapter 10 and verse 10. And here's the words of Jesus. He says, the thief, speaking of the enemy of our souls, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I, Jesus, am come that you might have life and that you might have it in all of its fullness. Or if you like the old-fashioned version, more abundantly. More abundantly. More of life. So tonight and over this next season of Belper, Arena Belper going forward, it is absolutely true. We want people to come into life in all of its fullness. It's why we're here tonight. It's why we've pitched up. It's why the building's been renovated. It's why David and Jeanette have sowed time into the, into the town. It's why people have brought their music and worship gift tonight. Because we want people to find life. Around this room are people that love God. They're ordinary people, but God has changed them for the better. God has reached down into their circumstances, my circumstances, and turned us around and has given us life. And I want tonight, as we've been encouraged in the prayer, to see things on a whole new level. A whole new realm. Life. Life in its all its fullness. I'm going to illustrate this by showing you tonight that when the Word of God is ministered, something happens. This is not a lecture tonight. It's not a training course. It's a message. It's a message that God bring, puts into somebody that then flows out to you. And God takes hold of his word, the Bible, and creates faith in our lives. And he begins to reveal things to us, to open our eyes. Sadly, that word revelation at times has been hijacked by a few people. They've got revelation, everybody else hasn't. But tonight, if you go away from here saying, I've never seen it like that before, that's revelation. And God is opening your heart more and more to what he wants to do in your life. I want to illustrate to you tonight that wherever you are, whatever strat of society you come from, to understand that Jesus comes to lift you to a whole new realm is not by information or qualification, it's by revelation. Let me tell you two stories. Number one, I'm reading uh, about 18 months ago uh, a book by Professor Gordon Fee. Uh, Professor Fee is a Pentecostal professor in New Testament studies from Regents College in Vancouver, Canada. Regents College is one of the greatest Bible learning centres in the whole of North America's USA and Canada. And Professor Fee loves Christ, he's filled with his spirit and teaches there on the New Testament. He's wrote some very, very good books. So I'm reading through the book and I'm reading to where he explains what John 10.10 really means 
I've been a pastor for 40 years this year. I'm married 40 years. Married first and then pastoring a week later. And uh, I'm, I'm saying to myself as I'm reading it, you know what? I've never seen it like that before. Because I am come that you might have life. The word for life is Zoe. And of course, it, it's a, a, a lady's name, a girl's name in our society. And Zoe means life of the age to come. I am come that you might have something of a glimpse of the life of the age to come and to experience it now. You see, I've had people explain to me, uh, I am come that you might have life, and it's all for us. It's like they, they feel that life's a 24 7 party. Now, it may be that you're looking forward to a few parties over Christmas. It may be that you've got to walk away from some of them as well when they start to get too lively, but you know what I mean. And who doesn't like being involved and invited to a party? We all do. But you've got to go to work tomorrow. You've got to get up earlier than you'd like. You've got to face that manager's meeting, etc., etc. In other words, life is not a continual party. There are many elements to life, responsibilities, and, uh, and meeting the needs of life. But the reality is in all of that, we can know in every experience a touch of the life to come. Indeed, you can take it into the office tomorrow. You can take it onto the building site. You can take it to the school run. You can take a touch of heaven to earth when you understand what Jesus has given you when you reach out to him. I am come that you might have life and have it in all of its fullness. The life of the age to come beginning to be experienced now. I thought that's incredible. Thank you, for Professor Fee. That's really blessed my life. Then let me take you to a Sunday morning in March this year. I'm speaking out as I've had the privilege to do on a number of occasions through one of my other roles that came to a close this year. And I'm in the Potteries, just outside Stoke-on-Trent, ministering in a nice family church, a building of a similar design to this. A great pastor and his wife. We've been two or three times now, Sharon and me. We always enjoy going. And at that particular Sunday morning meeting, the breaking of bread was taking place, as quite often does in our churches on a regular basis on a Sunday morning, particularly or whenever. This lady got up and began to speak. And I'll get to the confession bit in a moment. But as I've done sometimes, I jab sharing in the rift because I thought this is not going to end well I, because she didn't start well but I'm telling you before I took breaking of bread I had to say sorry to God because this woman rolled out a tremendous exposition of John 10 10 she began to speak about of course life means Zoe I thought and almost in the words of Professor Fee, got an absolute understanding of what this life was. As she began to talk, we began to realise there was quite a bit of pain in her life and a lot of challenge. I nudged the pastor, I said, has this lady been to Bible school? She said, no, no, she's just one of the ladies from the church. Honestly, it was one of the best leads into breaking of bread I have ever heard in all my life. Sharon will tell you. And before we took breaking the bread, I had to say sorry to God because I jumped in as I sometimes do and she completely went different to where I thought it was going to be. Afterwards, I went up to this lady and said, thanks so much this morning. That was tremendous. Oh, let me introduce you to Jacob. I'll never forget Jacob. Please, if I can do it respectfully, he was jerking. He, 
he found it difficult to concentrate. She, she began to explain some of the issues that he'd had from birth. And then grandma comes in and dad comes in and older sister comes in. And I begin to realise that this family's got tremendous challenges every day as they all care for Jacob. But here we've got Professor Fee in the, in the cloistered lobbies of Vancouver uh, Regents College speaking about life. And then I've got the nitty gritty of a community just outside Stoke-on-Trent with a woman with a desperately disabled son of 12 years of age. And they both got a revelation of what life really was. Not by qualification, not by information, but because God had touched their hearts. The life of the age to come. And the passion of this church going forward is that if you have never stepped into life, you can find it. You can begin to be touched by a little bit of eternity that will change you forever. Now, Daniel, if you can put that next slide up, because let's just talk a little bit. So here's one or two people trying to come up with a, a take on life. The first one is from a French philosopher of another age, Jean-Paul Sartre. I mean, if you don't feel depressed yet, this one will, okay? <laughs> he says, life is a meaningless that we live, a meaningless that we die. Wow. Do you realise that much of that type of person's speak is right into our culture today? That erodes any sense of God and response to him and makes life just a meaningless joint. No wonder people sometimes have difficulty coping with it. Then somebody said, I'm not searching for the meaning of life, but I'm looking for a meaning for my life or with my life. And that is the passion of so many people today that they really are looking for a meaning for their life. And then thirdly, whoever reflects seriously on the meaning of life is on the verge of an act or step of faith. David, as he prayed, was so true. You see, you cannot find a foundation for life in anything else but Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. We know and we look around, people are trying so many other efforts and means and it doesn't, doesn't work. We look at some of the social ills of our society and when I say our society, let's put it onto the doorstep of this church in Belper and its surrounds. People with issues of addiction and medication and isolation and introspection and exploitation, all seeking to find life. The Bible says you'll only find it in Jesus. In the Bible also, it speaks quite a bit about the flesh life. Not this, but what the Bible calls the old man, the flesh, the me, the self. Google tells us that there are 93 million selfies put online every, on, on social media every day. They also tell us that a photo is placed on Instagram every second of every hour of every day. Now, please, I'm not saying, please don't go away so that bloke says we shouldn't be on social media. I've not said that. I've not said that. It can be used for tremendous amounts of good. But social media often expresses self. It's said of the millennial generation. Just for clarity, that is not me. But... <laughs> It's said of the millennial generation that they will send 25,000 selfies in a lifetime. Whoa. 
Hey. And it reflects something of the journey of self. Romans 8.8 8 says, and I've used the verse deliberately, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Those that are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. If you're making it all about you, something is going to be missing. So in these next moments, let me just give you three things about what I believe is finding the new realm, life in all of its fullness. Zoe, life of the age to come. Put yourself wherever you are tonight. We may have a professor in the room. Please come and say hello to me afterwards. We may have a lady that's struggling with huge battles in a domestic situation. You feel so lonely at times. Wherever you are in the betweens, you can know life. And you can know it in all of its fullness. So number one, a new realm spiritually. Again, this was quoted in the prayer. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our sins, because by grace have you been saved. You see, we are not just body. We are body, soul, and spirit. We are tripartite. And the Bible says that if we have never turned from our wrong, cause it sin, and turned to Jesus and asked him to forgive us of our sin, then we are still dead in our sins. Not dead physically, but dead spiritually. Those of you who are alive spiritually tonight, can you remember when the first time you came to church, you got an invite um, somebody asked you to come. You know, what's all this about? People doing this and the guys at the front looking as though actually they're enjoying themselves. This is church. You're not meant to enjoy yourself. And then all of a sudden, you got it. You got it. These people celebrating life. Life. I've been to some churches, friends, and it seemed to have been a celebration of death every time I've been. It seems like they put it, you know, the more miserable they can be, the better it can be. But God has said that when we come to his presence, there is fullness of joy. There is life in all of its fullness. It's inevitable that it gets expressed in music and praise and song and prayer and joy and blessing because he has made us alive. A man went to see Jesus in John chapter 3. He was from the religious Sanhedrin, a very powerful religious body in Jerusalem at that time. He went by night because he didn't want anybody to see him, but he'd been watching this Jesus. He knew there was something about him and he wanted to have a, a, a talk with him. And he began to speak. And Jesus says, your issue, Nicodemus, is that you need to be born again. You must be born again. He says, Jesus, I can I become a little baby again? I'm a grown man. He, he, he says, no, I'm not talking about being born of water, of the, of the flesh. I'm talking about being born again of the Spirit. Let me just pause there for a minute because I've sometimes been invite, introduced to people as a born again Christian as well as another type of Christian. There isn't. The only way that you can get into the family of God is to be born into it. I'm saying it carefully tonight because you may have come to church 
You may have come to church in this area, but my question to you tonight, sir, madam, is are you born again? Have you come alive to the things of God? We had a lady, she was in our church this morning, she was at our Bible school on Thursday night, that went to church for years in Ilkeston. And she's a very upstanding lady, she's got a passion for the local community, but she knew something was missing. And she was a a bit sort of fed up with uh, the small-mindedness of the church. She's at home speaking, her son is an atheist. And she said, I wish I could find a church. She began to talk about the church. He said, I'm fed up of you talking about the church. Why don't you find a church with a vision? This is an atheist talking. She says, well, tell me where the one is. He says, that one opposite Tesco. Why don't you go there? (laughs) She came. She realised she was a churchgoer. She wasn't born again. And this lady's got some physical challenges, but what a joy to see her baptised by full immersion and just growing in the things of God. And I'm pausing there for a moment tonight because I said it, forgive me, slightly flippantly, but there is no other Christian than one that has come alive in God. Church attendance will not do it. Good works will not do it. Paying to a few charities in this charitable season will not do it. You have to come alive in your inner being. It's what the Bible calls regeneration. Made alive in God. Then you begin to experience life in all of its fullness. And then secondly, a new realm eternally. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes that God has placed eternity in the human heart and that quote is from a 20th century prophet called Leonard Ravenhill who says this life is a dressing room for eternity that's all it is of course most of us don't believe that even Christians that's why we get so bogged down at times with the temporal this week in our church we've been washed over again with the power of eternity because one of our dear men just three weeks ago Uh, died suddenly he was of a good age but it was still a shock and this week we gathered together to give thanks for his life and realise that it didn't come to an end when he died on this earth because absent from the body he has gone to be with the Lord I want to say friends I've been involved in many many funerals over the years and every time I've been involved in one I said to Sharon that's the reason I'm a Christian minister Because there's something more than now. There's something more than now. It's going to be endless. It's eternity. And God is preparing us and getting us ready. And I urge you to make a priority in your life in this new season in Arena Church Belper to say, that's me. I'm living for the eternal. Now let me read a quote to you. It's from a famous book. And it's reasonably lengthy, so seek to stay with me. But this man articulates the whole thought of eternity working out in our lives far better than I could. So I'll read it. He says these words. The Bible has said that God has placed eternity in our hearts. We have an inborn instinct that longs for immortality. This is because God has designed us in his image to live for eternity. 
Even though we know everyone eventually dies, death always seems unnatural and unfair. It did this last week. The reason we feel we should live forever is that God wired our brains with that desire. One day, your heart will stop beating. That will be the end of your body and your time on earth. But it will not be the end of you. Your earthly body is just a temporary residence for your spirit. The Bible calls your earthly body a tent, but your future body a house. The Bible says when this tent we live in, our body here on earth is torn down, God will have a house in heaven for us to live in. A home he himself has made which will last forever. While life on earth offers many choices, eternity offers two, heaven or hell. Your relationship to God on earth will determine your relationship to him in eternity. If you live to love and trust God's son, Jesus, you will be invited to spend the rest of eternity with him. On the other hand, if you reject his love, forgiveness and salvation, you will spend eternity apart from him forever. C.S. Lewis said, there are two kinds of people. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those who God says to them, all right, have it your way. Tragically, many people will have to endure eternity without God because they chose to live without him on earth. When you fully comprehend that there is more to life than just the here and now, and you realise that life is just a preparation for eternity, you will begin to live differently. You will start living in the light of eternity and that will colour how you handle relationships, tasks and circumstances. Suddenly, many activities, goals and even problems that seem so important will appear trivial, petty and unworthy of your attention. The closer you live to God, the smaller everything else will appear. By the way, if you're thinking tonight, friends, that heaven's you stuck on a cloud forever playing a harp, you need to think again. Reminds me of the the cartoon of two angels that were sort of winged and playing, sitting on a cloud, and one of them says, sure, wish I brought a magazine with me. But anyway, it's going to be winsome, beautiful, communal, blessed, amazing, mind-boggling eternity. Maybe you've got bogged down with the things of this life. I understand at times. I too have to pay a gas bill, electricity bill. And at this time of the year, they always seem to go. I drive a car. The potential for it to always go wrong is the same as yours, etc., etc. And sometimes these things can seem so big. They can pick away at us. They can gnaw away at us. It seems as though it's the the whole world. But friends, I encourage you tonight to see it afresh and to use the cliche of asking you to live in the light of eternity. A new realm spiritually, a new realm eternally, and a new realm governmentally. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The great challenge of Christianity is to come from being a decision to a disciple, 
from receiving Jesus as Savior to acknowledging him as Lord. Here's what Bible commentator Vince Hafner says. He says, no early Christian ever thought of taking Jesus as Savior with the option of taking him as Lord later. The Lordship of Christ is the authentic confession of every Christian in every generation. How can I express that tonight? Well, I'd, I'd gain the angst and anger of David on that newly painted front. But if I was to go there tonight in graffiti, then the only thing I could write to express this governmental rule over our lives is Jesus rules. Okay. I close with another quote from a professor that became a Christian, C.S. Lewis. If you have really handed your life over to Jesus, it must follow that you want to obey him. Not hoping to get to heaven as a reward for your actions, but wanting to act as a Christian because the first faint glints of heaven are already inside you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I am come tonight in opposite to the thief wanting to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Maybe you can think of people in your worlds where the enemy has shown no sentiment and rampaged all over their lives and spoiled them and marred them and bruised them and hurt them. Maybe you've had your ups and downs. Maybe there's times when the enemy's had more room in your life than you'd like. But in this new season of pioneering here in Belper, God is gathering a people to his cause that really live in the power of true life because he's come that we might have it in all of its fullness. A final quote from one of my favourite hymns and I've used the verse deliberately to capture the thought of realm. Isaac Watts wrote this hymn over 300 years ago for a breaking of bread communion service and Charles Wesley, a writer of thousands of hymns, says, I would have forfeited the right to write all of my hymns if I could have been blessed to write this one. And so it says these words, if they can be upon the screen. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small, love so amazing, so divine, it demands my soul, my life, my all, all things new this is a new season in a newly decorated church with a new spirit and a new lead and a new purpose may each one of us live out zoe life of the age to come because that is life in all of its fullness let's pray